If you would take your Bible this morning and turn to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. We're going to be looking this morning again at the fruit of a spirit-filled life. This will probably be the final message on the spirit-filled life. We'll be looking at the last several weeks. We noticed last, I think it was last week, that you know, God commands us to be filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 5.18 says, Be not drunk with wine where it is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And uh, so this morning, we're going to look at um, some evidences of the Spirit-filled life, or fruits of the Spirit-filled life. So that's the title of the message, Fruit of the Spirit-filled Life. Galatians 5, verse verse 16, start there, says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so you cannot do the things that you would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, and revelings, and such like. So again, this list is not exhaustive. It says he adds such like, things like this. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. He's talking here about a lifestyle. If this is their style of life, or their practice in life, it it indicates that they are not a child of God. God says they shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But, verse 22, here's the contrast. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, Meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. So again, God exhorts us to be spirit-filled. You notice he says there in verse 24, And they that are Christ, they have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. So he exhorts us, and God expects us, you might say, to be Spirit-filled. It's His desire. Uh, God doesn't expect us, as His children, to go through life doing our own thing. He is the Lord. Luke 6.46 says, Why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? So, being filled with the Spirit... Of course, that's synonymous, or it means the same thing as being controlled by the Spirit. And God intends, or God desires, to be in charge of our life. That's what He desires. And like I said last week, if you want to always be right, be controlled by the Spirit. Be led of the Spirit. And you will always be right. Because God is always right. The Spirit of God is always right. And He will always, we're going to see, He will lead you into the truth, into what is right. So, let's pray and then we'll, we'll get into the message some more. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity. We pray and praise you, Father, for your love for us. We thank you for the Spirit of God. 
that you've given to us to indwell us, to teach us, to instruct us, to convict us and convince us of the truth. Uh, Father, I pray that you help us uh, to give heed to the word of God. I pray that you help me as I preach, and I pray that you give ears to hear and hearts to obey, and you be glorified in our midst. And might we have a better understanding and a desire to please you and submit to your word and to the Spirit of God that lives within uh, Father, I pray there be any in our midst this morning who do not have assurance of salvation. I pray that the Spirit of God would convince and convict them of their sin, their need of, of trusting Christ as Lord and Savior. So may you be glorified in our midst, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we see here from Galatians chapter 5, in this passage that we just read, that there are two kinds of walking. There's walking after the flesh... And there's walking after the Spirit. Verse 16, it says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So there's two kinds. And, you know, as a saved person, you know, as a saved person, he's writing here to the the churches. It's the churches, that's Galatia. Galatia was a region. And, And as a saved person, it is possible for a child of God to walk in the flesh. Uh... It, it, you know, it is one who is not letting God control their life. Uh, if, if you're not walking the Spirit, you're not allowing God to control your life. But it is not pleasing to God, and I, and I do not believe that this can continue continuously. As you know, if you notice, he says here that they that do such things, it uh, talks about the works of the flesh, uh, if they're living this kind of life, that, if this is their practice, it indicates... Or it shows to us, or raises question to us, who see it, that they're not really saved. Now, we can't really know that for sure. We can only judge by what we see. But, that's what we are to judge by, and we'll look at that a little bit. Now, we know that, this, that the Bible teaches in Romans 8 9 that when, when you are saved, you receive the Spirit of God. So, there's no way you can be saved and not have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8 9 says if, that if we, uh, any man hath not the Spirit of God, he is none of his. So, if a person uh, has the Spirit of God, or doesn't have the Spirit of God, they are not saved. But possessing the Holy Spirit, we saw this, I think, last week or the week before, that possessing the Holy Spirit is not the same thing as being controlled or led by the Spirit of God. Uh, you know, they are two different things. And living in the flesh and living in the Spirit are two opposites. They're polar opposites. Uh, and you'll never get the Spirit of God and your flesh to agree with each other. <laughs> They're just opposites. If you notice here, it says in verse 17, For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary one to those, so that you cannot do the things that we, you would. And of course, Apostle Paul is the writer of this to the churches of Galatia. And, and you remember in Romans 7, Paul talked about that conflict that he had within himself, the things that I would not, that do I, and the things that I do not, that, 
that I do, you know. And he said, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? In other words, this flesh, what he was saying is, this flesh I live in does not want to please God. But he said there's a, but, but uh, I, I thank God who, through Jesus Christ, you know, he said, with my, with my mind, I serve God, but my flesh. It's a different story. You see, it's only by the Spirit of God which dwells within. That should, but we need to allow it to work its way out. So, so these are polar opposites. And he gives, of course, a list here. These fruits that he, or the works that he talks about here uh, uh, are all produced, are produced when we walk and follow our own selfish desires. Uh, you know, and he, and he gives a list of things. And, and many of these are commonly found among Christian people. But just in case he missed one, he adds, and such like. You know, so if you walk in your selfish desires, you're going to produce a selfish kind of life and fruit that is not pleasing to God. And he, and he, he says that these that live this way, or this is their lifestyle, he says, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Uh, you know, we are judged based on what we see, what God wants, and they follow the flesh. So there's only two options that he gives here. You either walk in the flesh or you're walking in the spirit. And those who walk in the spirit, of course, are marked by a changed life. But, you know, many times we want to have a, a, a third category in the middle somewhere that we like to make. And, and we like to do that because we want to excuse sometimes our sin or other people's sin. Now, again, Paul's writing to Christians, and he wouldn't tell Christians to walk in the Spirit and not feel the lust of flesh if it wasn't possible for Christians to revert back to the flesh sometimes. In fact, that was the danger of the Galatians. They were in danger of doing. You know, a Christian is no, by no means perfect, but if you revert back to the flesh, and the fruit of the flesh is evident in your life, then you have identified yourself with the world and with those who don't know Jesus Christ. And the only way to identify what side you're on is by what kind of fruit is being produced in your life. So don't be surprised then if somebody says, is he saved or is she saved or not? In fact, this is what Paul said to the to the churches at, or the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5, Paul said this when he wrote that second epistle to them. In 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5, he says, Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ was in you, except ye be reprobates? You know, think about it. Now, there were some at Corinth that proved themselves. Now, there were some at Corinth that were very evidently living in the flesh. Remember the First Corinthians chapter 5 man who was immoral with his mother-in-law? And Paul said, you, you need to put him out of the church. Well, when he wrote the second epistle, he said, you need to receive him back in because he had repented. What was he doing? He was saying, 
He showed proof. You see, when a person that is saved, I believe, is confronted with the truth, sooner or later they will repent. They will repent. And Jesus made reference to this, and also in Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24, he says, No man can serve two masters, for either will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And then in Matthew chapter 7, verse 16, Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? In thy name have cast out devils, and thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. So again, he was saying a good tree will bring forth good fruit, but an evil tree will bring forth evil fruit. You know, it was what Bradley said on Sunday night. You know, people can sacrifice, thinking they're sacrificing to God, and yet it is not pleasing to God. You know, a sacrifice would save you. Mother Teresa is the greatest saint that ever lived. But Mother Teresa believed that her way to God was through Mary. Oh, she, 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 get, she sacrificed greatly, but she was lost. And Jesus would say, her fruit is corrupt. Now, from the world's standard, oh, she had lots of good fruit. But she did not do the will of the Father. The will of the Father is you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. And you live to please Him. That's the will of the Father. And so when we, we judge fruits, you know, about when we think of these things, when we, when we from the outside are looking on, we can't do anything but put people in one category or the other. They're either walking the flesh or they're walking the spirit. They're either producing spiritual fruit or they're producing fleshly fruit. So, you know, there are no other, really, categories in the Bible. So the question is, are you producing the fruit of the Spirit in your life? How can I know when I'm filled with the Spirit of God? Or how can I know when I'm walking with the Spirit of God? Well, let's look at several things. First of all, some external marks of the filling of the Spirit. Some external marks. Um... You know, there's, there's, there should be some external things that begin to happen in a person's life after they get saved. Some, you know, some people start changing immediately. Others take maybe a little more time. But we call it growth. But if, but, but if a person is genuinely saved that, and they've been really been born again, there will be some external marks. Uh, they ought to begin reading their Bible and praying and desiring to be in the house of God. They're going to start to put some changes into effect in their outward life. 
now, internal changes are there eventually. The external marks will, will be there uh, quicker in a person's life. There ought to be several things that take place. Number one, the first external proof is, should be a, uh, a conviction of the lost. In John chapter 16, in John chapter 16, and verse uh, uh, 7 and 8, John 16, 7 and 8, Bible says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away, for if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So one of the first external proofs that we see here is there's a conviction of the loss. The Holy Spirit you know, comes into a believer's life whenever a person is saved and if he takes charge of your life and you begin to interact with those of the world who do not know Christ, God will use your life as a vessel to carry the message of the gospel. See, you take, you know, really, think about this. This is a partnership. The Spirit of God dwells in his children, and you and I take him into the world. We take him into the world. And he convicts people through us. He convicts people through us. You know, it, 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 sometimes he does it in interesting ways. You know, he, he, you know he, again, he's the vessel... We are the vessel through which he carried. We, you know, the Holy Spirit is carried into the world. And he, he will bring conviction into other people's life. Sometimes this, this will manifest itself and, and people will maybe see their need of salvation and get saved. You know, we don't see that a whole lot today. In other parts of the world, you see it more often. You know, sometimes a person will, will show interest or express interest, but maybe they'll say, like Brother Hoyle said the other day, I'm just not ready for that yet. You know, sometimes it's, it's like Brother Forney said, you know, if you put a person on a graph, zero to 100%, 100% is when they get saved, and you might witness them one time, you might bring them to 10%. And somebody else might witness them and bring them to 20%. You know, but you still, the Spirit of God is still convicting them of their sin, their need of Christ. Other times people will get angry. They may get angry if you witness them. They may, may call you names. Have you ever been called a name? <laughs> they may attack you. But we need to understand that when people attack us, when we endeavor to witness them, it's not really us that they're angry at. When... when, when Saul was struck down on the road to Damascus. Jesus didn't say, I am Stephen, whom thou persecutest. He said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. You see, his, his anger, though it was taken out on people, was directed at God. So don't respond back in anger. Respond in love. And God will drive that knife of conviction further into their heart. So God uses us 
as His children, the Spirit of God desires to use us to bring conviction on the lost. On the lost. And of course, the ultimate purpose of that is to bring them to conversion. Uh, you know, we, our desire is to see people saved. Uh, so, so he, it is us through whom we use. There's also another thing, another, uh, secondly, another th- uh, proof here, external one, is uh, a consecration of saint and sinner. In Matthew 5, 16, the Bible says, Let your light so shine before men, that may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You know, the good works he's talking about here are the fruits of the Spirit that are manifested in our life. To glorify means to give glory or honor unto the Lord, uh, so he's speaking of consecration or lifting up of God because of your life. You know, our lives as Christians ought to encourage others not only to get saved, but other Christians to live godly and holy and righteously in this wicked world. You know, if they see you living for the Lord, it encourages them to live for the Lord also. And so these are some external marks that if we walk in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit will bring, being in charge of life, will bring to happen, bring to pass in our life. But there's also some internal marks here that we see. Uh, and of course, These, these are things that begin to happen within. Go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And we'll look at some things here. Romans chapter 8. Romans 8. There's a lot about the working of the Spirit of God again in this chapter. Of course, Paul talks about fighting the flesh with the Spirit and, and, and so on. In chapter 7, talks about the battle. And that's going to be an ongoing battle that you and I struggle with until we get to, until we get to heaven. You know, because we still live in a body of flesh. But God desires that we have victory over that and to grow. But in chapter 8, in verses uh, uh, 1 through 4, he says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Notice, who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. So, you notice that those who have no condemnation are those who are saved and are walking after the Spirit. If those who are walking the flesh, then we must conclude, are not assured of no condemnation. You know, I've often said that assurance, assurance comes to a child of God as we obey God. 1 John, 1 John 2 in particular, talks about hereby we do know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. Assurance comes to a child of God as we obey Him. When we know that something is right, we obey it. And God gives us, by His Spirit, God gives us assurance. And that's what this verse is teaching here. There is therefore now no condemnation them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So if we, if we are walking in the Spirit, we, we, we will have confidence or assurance that we are uncondemned before a holy and righteous God. 
But the contrary is also true. If we're walking in the flesh, we can we may may not have that confidence. Um, you know, a person, and I think it's possible for a person to be saved and lack that confidence because they're not living to please the Lord. But notice, I want you to notice, Paul goes on in this chapter, and verses 2 through 8, he says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. So again, there's a confidence and assurance there. For what the law could not do is weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemns sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And the way we fulfill the righteousness of God is through our Lord Jesus Christ. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. So if you are walking in the Spirit... You're going to be interested in spiritual things. But if you're, on the other hand, if you have a carnal mind, you're walking in the flesh, you're the, as he says here, you're the enemy of God or at enmity of God, against God. So you're fighting against God. You're, you're not going to be interested in spiritual things. And of course, the end of the carnal mind is death, not just physical death, but eternal death. Uh, so people watching from the again, people watching from the outside would have to conclude that if you're walking in the flesh, then you are a lost person. That's what they would see. But Paul said in verse nine, "But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit." Again. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you, now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Uh, but the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. So again, you cannot be saved and not have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. And if the Holy Spirit dwells in you, it is the normal, natural thing to allow Him to be in control of you. Now, can a Christian sin and revert back to flesh? Yes. But according to this chapter, that is not your natural, normal thing for a child of God. The Holy Spirit fights against the flesh, and which is more powerful? You or God? But if, if, you, you know, if the flesh is getting the upper hand, it's because the Holy Spirit's backed off. Because you've not given him his place. And when he talks about mortifying the, or putting to death the deeds of the body, in verse 13, 
He's not talking about a work salvation. He's saying that you, do, that you put to death the deeds of your body, that eventually, he's not saying you will eventually get good enough to go to heaven. He's saying that the evidence of the Holy Spirit having come to live inside your body is that you want the Holy Spirit to be in charge. Therefore, you put the deeds of the flesh and the selfish life on hold. You put it away or you set it aside. And again, that's the mark of having been born again. And Paul here is assuming that a saved person will live for Christ and a lost person will live for himself. So now let's look at some of those earmarks, internal earmarks. First of all, an internal earmark of a saved person or somebody that's walking in the Spirit is they have, they have the filling of the Spirit. Notice verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now that's a very emphatic statement. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And so the first internal mark here is that that one has the leading of the Holy Spirit in their life. They are directed by the Holy Spirit of God. They make decisions that are based on biblical principles. They understand God's will for their life. And, and they allow the Lord to lead them. So there's this leading of, of the Holy Spirit. They are, they are led by the Spirit of God. You know, as we think about it, being led by the Spirit, you know, there's many decisions that you and I must make from time to time that are not clearly spelled out in the Word of God. Such as, what house you ought to buy? Or should you buy a house? Now, there are some principles maybe to guide you in that, but there are, there are not clear principles as to whether you ought to buy a house or not. Or what, particularly what job you ought to work at. But there are, again, there's principles, and you know, we, some, we need the leading of the Spirit of God to show us these things as we seek to obey His Word. So, uh, you know, we need to know what the, the, have the leading of the Spirit of God. And He leads us, of course, He leads us through the Scriptures. He leads us through the Scriptures. In John chapter 14, in verse 26, John 14 and verse 26 says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. So, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit, or the Comforter as he's named here, would teach you all things. He'd teach you all things. You know, 1 John 2.20 says, But we have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. Uh, so God, the Holy Spirit of God, will lead us or speak to us through His Word. The, the Word of God won't be just words uh, on white paper. It will be words that jump out at you, that grip your heart, that get a hold of your soul, words that you cannot get away from. You see, to a Christian, somebody that's saved and filled with the Holy Spirit of God, the Bible is a different book because it is alive. It speaks directly to our heart. And it guides us. 
So, you know, he leads us. And then again, internal markers, he leads us by his word or through the scriptures. He, he'll also lead us to the Savior. Again, in John 15, 26. Uh, John 15, 26. Not John 15. John, yeah, John 15. Uh, that's the wrong chapter. John 14, 26. But thy comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, bring all things to remembrance, whatsoever, notice this, whatsoever I have said unto you. And again in chapter 16, in verse 13, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me. For he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. So he will lead you, the Holy Spirit will lead you to glorify or lead you to the Savior. He will not promote himself. Now if you were to go to a church and all they want to talk about is the Holy Spirit. I know we've been talking about him a lot. But we've been talking about how to be led and controlled by Him. But if all they want to talk about is the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit and emphasize the Spirit, you're in the wrong place. If all they want to talk about is how great the preacher is or the Sunday school teacher is or the soloist is, you're in the wrong place. Because the Holy Spirit of God will lead you to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. He will glor- Jesus said, he will glorify me. He will glorify me. He'll lead you to worship Jesus Christ. He lifts up Christ. He will lead you to draw closer to Christ, to fellowship with Christ, to have, for your fellowship be, with him to be real, as if you were able to you know, feel his presence. You know, if you have a real relationship with Him, it's not an actual, unnatural thing to talk to Him, converse with Him in your spare moments. It's not unusual if you have a relationship with Him and you're walking in the Spirit for, for God to bring someone to your mind. Or something to your mind that you need to pray about. Or to bring something in your mind that you have done that you should not have done. See, the Holy Spirit will lead you into that kind of relationship. He will also lead you away from sin. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Again, these are internal earmarks of walking with the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 21. says, If so be that ye have heard him, have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and have put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. And then drop down to verse uh, 30. He says, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed under the day of redemption. Now, let me ask you something. 
it says in verse 21, If you have so, if you have been heard him and have been taught by him. Who is it? Who is the one that God said or Jesus said would teach us all things? It's the Spirit of God. He would teach us all things. He would bring all things to remembrance. He's also the one that convicts us or convinces us of the truth. John 16, 8 and verse 13. Uh, so he would convict. He would guide us in all truth. He's going to guide us away from evil. And of course, verse 30 says here, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. How do you grieve the Spirit of God? By not obeying what he has taught you. By continuing with bitterness and ang- wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking and malice, and instead of putting on kindness and tenderheartedness, forgiving one another. That's how you grieve. You know, see, the Spirit of God will lead us away from sin. He will never lead you into sin. He will always lead you away from sin. He'll never lead you into a place of having temptation that you cannot handle. He'll lead you around that place. He always leads us to obey Him. To not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. You know, so many times I've heard people say, well, I, you know, I, just, I just felt it was the right thing to do. I was just led by the Spirit. Well, whose Spirit? Well, it was something that's contrary to the Word of God. No, the Holy Spirit of God leads us. He will convict us or convince us of all truth. Of course, He will also lead us into loving the Lord Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 8, verse 15, again, Romans 8, verse 15, it says, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, and notice this phrase, Abba, Father. Now, there's a lot of, a lot of um, talk about this word Abba. A lot of people like to use this word Abba. And the word Abba is a term of, in, of, of intimacy or endearment. It was sort of like the closest thing we have to that in our English language is Daddy. Daddy. See, when, when the Spirit of God comes into our heart, He causes us to love the Lord. He brings us into a, a, a close, intimate relationship with God. Like a daddy. It gives us a sense of being. A Christian is one who knows that they belong to Christ. Now, I don't just... I never just went up to any man and said, Daddy. Uh, Because they weren't my daddy. I didn't belong to them. But a child of God ought to have a sense of being, knowing that they are a child of God. That he is my father. There's also the sense uh, of, of belonging. First uh, John 4:13 says this, "Hereby we know that we are in him, that we dwell in him, 
and he in us, because he hath given us of his spirit. And verse 16 says, of Romans eight sixteen, the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So we ought to have a sense of belong. Again, if we have the spirit of God that dwells in us, we ought to have a sense that we belong to the Lord. We know we belong to God. You shouldn't need an introduction to get into God and talk to Him about your problems. Oh, well, let me introduce you to God. No, I'm His. I belong to Him. I'm a child of the King. I can go to Him at any time because I belong to Him. And my Heavenly Father is one that when I go to Him, He listens. He hears. He's available. And so we have this sense of belonging. Thirdly, there ought to be a longing for the coming of Christ. Romans 8, again, verse 17 through 23, and I'll not take time to read all this, but it says, if, if, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. For I reckon the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waited for the manifestation of the Son of God, sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. And it goes on. And we know that the whole true, whole creation groans and veils. So right now the creation is groaning and waiting for the day when the curse is removed. And, and the Spirit of God ought to produce in our hearts a longing to be with Christ. You know, for a, for a person that's filled with the Spirit of God... Uh, Going to be with Lord, dying going to be with Lord is not a misery. It's not some terrible thing. You know, we're not taking, you know, you know we, we are to, to serve the Lord, but it's not something we ought to be afraid of or live in fear of. There ought to be a longing to be with the Lord. So like, you know, you ever been at the airport and watch people come, come back, come in, and, you know, there's somebody there to meet them? And, and usually you can tell the ones that have been going longest. Because there's the excitement. I mean, they, they long to see their loved one that they haven't seen in a while. I remember when I went to Ukraine, I was gone four weeks. Uh, you know, I was ready to see my wife when I got back. There was in- anticipation there. Excitement. But who knows the fourth thing? There's also a loosing from the turmoil of life. Look at verse 28 through 30. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestinated, them he also called. Whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. You know, in this world, you and I are going to have tribulation. We're going to have trouble. We're going to suffer. We're going to go through battles of life. And these things tend to drag us, drag us down. But to the true child of God, who's filled with the Spirit of God, 
we know that everything, everything that happens is by design, and God is there to guide us every step of the way and order all the events in our life, and we can have this assurance that the good things and the bad things, God will work to His purpose. He is not lost in it. We don't go through it without Him. And if we know that He is there, and if He allows these things for our good and for His purpose, we can rest in that. It takes the turmoil out of it. Jesus said in John 8, 32, you should know the truth and the truth shall make you free. John 10, 10, I am come to my have life and might have it more abundantly. So, you know, we can, if we, if we walk in the spirit, we can know that whether we're in a trial or a trouble, that God is going to see us through it. He is there with us. He'll give us the strength. He has promised us His presence and His power through that trial of life. Therefore, I don't have to worry or become angry. Of course, you know, I never do these things, you know. But how often is it that you and I, we, go, we face something and we, get, we worry about it or we get upset. But you know, if, we, if, if I would just walk in the Spirit, I wouldn't worry about it. If I would walk in the Spirit, I wouldn't get upset about it. Because I would understand that God has allowed this in my life. And if God has allowed it in my life, He's got to work it out. And He will work it out because He's promised to. Now, he didn't say it would be easy. He just simply said, trust me. Trust me. I'm in this. See, that's what Moses is trying to get the children of Israel to see. Look, just trust me. Just trust me. I'll get you through this. Well, there's no water. And we're sick of this manna. Just trust me. See, I'm just trying to get you to a place where you would trust me. In fact, he fed them with manna that he might prove them. Trust me. See, when we walk with the Spirit, you know what we're going to do? We're going to trust him. We're going to trust him. You know, it, it takes, it will take the turmoil out of life. So the question is, are we filled with the Spirit? Is there evidence of that in our life? You know, God desires and has made it possible for you and I to have the filling of the Spirit. But you know what it requires? A daily yielding to Him. Paul said, I die daily. See, yesterday's filling won't do for today. 
And today's won't do for tomorrow. It takes a daily yielding and humbling ourselves. You know, it takes a daily humbling ourselves and admitting when we're wrong and confessing our sin when we, when we are wrong and when we do sin. You're never going to come to a place of sinless perfection in this life. You know, and that, that can be discouraging, but it ought to be encouraging. It ought to be encouraging the fact that don't beat yourself up when you do fall. A just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. He continues to trust in his God. But it does mean that God can give you the victory. Can God can use you and empower you and help you in your walk with him. So the question is this morning, is the fruit of spirit being evident in your life? Have you yielded to him? Have you truly been going again? Do you know the presence of the spirit of God in your life? If you know the presence, God wants you to know the power as well. And again, that comes by yielding to him.